3: You're listening to KCBS In Depth. Really, in order to find quality care, you often have to be on a wait list that's months long. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about.
2: The aggressive advocates who were looking to overrule Roe for so long—they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up. In this case, there very well may be charges that are appropriate. For example, trying to obstruct an official proceeding of Congress, right? That is unlawful.
4: This is KCBS In Depth.
1: Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Raquel Maria Dillon. A year ago, the Supreme Court's ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization overturned the federal abortion protections created in Roe v. Wade. Abortion is still legal here in California, and last November, state voters passed a ballot proposition that put the right to an abortion in the state constitution. Two-thirds of the votes favored abortion rights. That means a significant minority of Californians are against abortion rights. Access to abortions varies dramatically between big coastal cities and more rural parts of the state. This week on KCBS, we ran a series of feature reports that took a closer look at the current state of abortion in the Golden State, where in the wake of Dobbs, California activists, medical professionals and politicians face a new playing field. Sunday morning, a historic church in Pacific Heights. Marcy Glass is the head pastor here at Calvary
3: Presbyterian. We've been keeping him in our prayers, so give him him my love. For her, the Dobbs
1: decision was a turning point,
3: not a total surprise. We had been sitting in a pot of water, slowly boiling for a while, and that's just when we were cooked. She says people who support
1: abortion rights were too polite and restrained about expressing their beliefs.
3: We just trusted that the law was going to be on our side and we could be quiet. And I think that silence was deadly. And Dobbs, I think, revealed the folly of that polite silence. She traces her activism
1: on abortion to an unplanned pregnancy in
3: college. You know, I was a good church kid. That wasn't what was supposed to kind of happen and how I thought I had my life planned out. And there I was. And it was my church. My pastor was helpful to me when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. She chose to give the baby up for adoption. It was impossibly hard. It was so painful. And... It's probably 98% of why I'm a pastor. I received such grace in that year. She wants to share that grace with
1: anyone who finds themselves with an unplanned pregnancy. She's involved in Clergy for Reproductive Justice to inspire abortion supporters to speak
3: out, even and especially in states where reproductive rights are protected by law. It can be easy to forget that there are people actively trying to legislate harm right now.
1: Researchers in the Bay Area are documenting those harms. Dr. Daniel Grossman, a professor of obstetrics and gynecology at UC San Francisco, has been researching medical outcomes in abortion-restricted states since Roe was overturned. He asked physicians and medical providers to anonymously share cases where pregnant patients got care that was different from what they would have gotten before the Dobbs decision.
4: These were cases where doctors felt like their hands were tied because of these restrictive laws banning abortion. And the problem is that uh, medicine isn't black and white. Um, there's a lot of grade.
1: Grossman sees a pattern of serious health complications triggered by abortion bans, infections, hemorrhaging, ectopic pregnancies, unnecessary hospitalizations, doctors even unsure of what's legal and haunted by the pain and risk their patients experienced.
4: It's incredibly heartbreaking to read them. I, I, in some ways, I don't think I was, I was prepared for how heartbreaking they were going to be.
1: Grossman says his role at UCSF is to provide the research and lead with the science. Other Bay Area medical professionals are stepping up to meet the demand for abortion care. Next, we meet a local doctor who's splitting her time between the Bay Area and the front lines of the abortion debate. A few months before the Dobbs ruling, Dr. Jennifer Kearns took a second job. Now she pulls occasional all nighters as an OBGYN at San Francisco
0: General Hospital and then commutes to Kansas. So I came to the hospital this morning at 7. I end my shift tomorrow at 7.30 a.m., and I'm going straight to the airport to catch an 8.40 flight. And um, I will work then for two days on Thursday and Friday in Wichita all day seeing patients for abortion. The Trust Women Clinic in Wichita has
1: full-time staff, but its doctors fly in for just a couple days of work per month. It's partially a response to the increased demand for abortions partially because Wichita has been a hostile environment to doctors who perform abortions. Last fall, a few months after the Dobbs ruling, Kansas voters rejected a state constitutional amendment that would have eliminated the right to an abortion there. Now, most
0: of the clinic's patients are from neighboring states where abortion has been severely restricted or banned. And the majority of them are coming from either Dallas or Houston, which are sort of five-hour, nine-hour drives. Kearns travels all day from California, where abortion is legal and
1: available, mostly, to meet patients who've driven all night from Texas, where abortion is illegal after six weeks of pregnancy. She wonders and worries about all the women who can't make the trip. Last week, she gave a sort of virtual Zoom tour of the Trust Women Clinic on
0: a busy afternoon. Today, we've had almost 50 and about evenly distributed between procedures and medication abortion. The clinic director is Ashley Brink. There are days that we have over 15,000 incoming calls in one day. So I don't have the phone lines for 15,000 calls in an eight-hour period. I don't have the staffing. She said they've had to absorb much of the abortion demand from neighboring Texas, Oklahoma, and beyond. We could be open 24-7 and still not be able to see all of the people that are needing you know, access to abortion care. That demand
1: is why Kearns travels to the Midwest once a month. Her skills and training allow
0: pregnant people to choose. And there are people who are making incredibly compassionate and empathic choices in their lives. Um, many of them are doing that so that they can take better care of their existing children. Many are in situations that are unsafe. Um, many are just realizing that uh, in order to stay financially solvent and to care for the rest of their family, that this is the best path.
1: The Trust Women Clinic depends on out of town doctors. Its patients often rely on financial help from abortion funds. But Brink has a message for abortion rights supporters in sanctuary states far from the front lines. Pay
0: attention and prepare to scale up. Some of them didn't maybe take it as seriously because they're like, oh, we're good here. You know, we're we've had access. We have Democrats in office. That would never happen here. But like, y'all, they're coming. They're coming for everyone. Like, get get ready.
1: That's the word from Kansas which borders several states that outlaw abortion or severely restrict it. These states are clustered in the Midwest and the South. That line of states along the Gulf of Mexico, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, and Texas represent an opportunity for Bay Area abortion rights supporters. They want to provide abortions to a vast swath of the country that has outlawed them on a floating offshore clinic where state laws wouldn't apply. KCBS broke this exclusive story last year, and I decided to check in to see if the project is still afloat.
0: It is a KCBS exclusive. KCBS has learned that a UCSF doctor and professor is working to launch a floating abortion clinic in federal waters in the Gulf of Mexico.
1: That's our afternoon anchor, Brett Burkhart, introducing a big scoop from my colleague, political reporter Doug Sovereign, about prowess, which stands for Protecting Reproductive Rights of Women Endangered by State Statutes. Reproductive rights supporters saw it as a radical move to get abortion to people who need it in the South. The boat idea conjured up images of action hero OBGYNs coming to the rescue.
4: So what's the status of the project today? We actually went and saw a boat last week, um, a scaled down boat. That would be much cheaper. We would have less volume.
1: Dr. Meg Autry came up with the idea of providing offshore abortion care. She's a UCSF professor and recently took a job as director of obstetrics and gynecology at UCSF Fresno.
4: I came down here and I fell in love with it. But let me just tell you, even in California, abortion access in the Central Valley is very difficult.
1: But not as hard as in the Gulf, where pregnant people have to travel hundreds of miles to get abortion care with all the costs and time away from work and family that that entails. That's why, even though the logistics sound complicated, it might be easier to take a helicopter or boat from a coastal city to a ship.
4: So we had unprecedented volunteers, like legal, maritime, medical. And then we had a lot of small donor support. And so we got about a quarter of a million dollars within, you know, three months, I would say.
1: And donations continued to roll in. But no one is doing abortions on the waves yet. Those small monthly donations aren't nearly enough for a boat.
4: So we need a big donor to give us money. Foundations don't want projects that are not sustainable and they don't want to do brick and mortar.
1: Autry told herself and her team that she'd give the project at least a year, but she's still going for one reason, a court case which could take the abortion drug mifepristone off pharmacy shelves. More than half of abortions are done by oral medication these days.
4: With this case out there, I think that we feel obligated. If it if it really does restrict medication abortion access, then I think, again, the boat becomes more relevant. People may get more, even more distressed, like the public and funders, and, and maybe this will become a more realistic goal.
1: Autry remains optimistic that the Mifepristone case will be decided in favor of abortion rights, But she continues to write letters and raise money for the abortion ship just in case. When I started reporting this series, I was hoping to find people who would share their personal stories about abortion. I wasn't too optimistic, though. I'm not a full-time health reporter, and I was on a tight deadline to produce these stories. Many women who've had abortions know that some people will condemn them for the decision to end their pregnancy— But the reporting process surprised me. Women approached me, willing to share the personal details of their lives. For example, I was interviewing other sources at a medical office when one of the bilingual staff members asked me to interview her. To be perfectly honest, I didn't realize at first that she wanted to share her abortion story. I don't know what to ask you, so
5: introduce yourself, please. I'm Christina. I'm currently a medical assistant here at the clinic. Um, But I did study medicine in Mexico, so I'm studying to take my boards in the United States to become a licensed physician here. Do you see yourself offering abortion services? If I was in family medicine, yes, I would. Because... I have my own personal story with abortion. I was born in Mexico and um, I did have an abortion a couple years ago and I was in Mexico when I found out I was pregnant. So I had to take a bus um, six hours away to find a clinic in Mexico City that provided the service and it was hard. It was hard to find a doctor.
1: I'm only using Christina's first name because she says only a few of her closest friends and family members know she had an abortion when she was living in Mexico.
5: I remember taking a pregnancy test and then my whole world just like collapsed in front of me because I was planning to go into medical school that year and I was like, I can't have a baby. Um, And I at that time, my partner lived in the United States and we weren't together anymore. So um, I remember calling my dad. I was so ashamed, so embarrassed. And I told him. Um, I need you to send me money. I can't tell you why. And he said, you need to trust me. Like, what's going on? What's happening? And finally, I told him the truth. I told him, I'm pregnant. Um, I don't want to have this baby. And my dad was like, if you want to have this baby, I, like we're willing to take care of this baby for you. But I didn't want to not be in the baby's life. And I didn't want someone else to take care of that baby.
1: Her dad was living in Illinois where she grew up. Nine years ago, she was heading to medical school at a Mexican university, which is cheaper but takes longer, and you have to do a second residency in the U.S. and then pass the boards. When she got pregnant, she'd been working to become a physician for a long time, and she just didn't have space in her life for a baby. She felt trapped.
5: I went through a lot of roller coaster of emotions that week. Uh, well, two weeks, because it, it took me almost two weeks to finally get a an appointment and then be able to go there. Um, I wish it was more accessible to people, but it's still not. There's still women that are having kids that can't afford or don't want to have kids. Given your experience, I'm sure the news about Dobbs
1: overturning Roe v. Wade last year,
5: I'm sure that hit hard. It did. It felt like... Uh, they were trying to take away those rights from us. They're trying to force women to do things that they don't want, maybe they don't desire. I feel like when you want a child, it's someone that, you, that they desire for that child to be in that home, someone that's loved. I don't think anyone should be put in a position that they don't want to be.
1: Do you ever think about where you would be if you hadn't been able to get that abortion?
5: I think I probably would have flown back to the United States and found somewhere to have the abortion. And if it was too late, then um, I probably would have asked my family to help me raise the baby. But I don't know. It would have been in... I just, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that to a child. I would want the child to be loved, to be welcomed, to me be there for them. There's a movement in the abortion
1: rights community to share abortion stories like this, to normalize the experience, speak out loud about the difficult decisions that women like Christina make. The Guttmacher Institute, a think tank in New York that researches reproductive health care, says one in four women will have an abortion before the end of her childbearing years. It's not just the Dobbs decision that's shaping reproductive health care right now. There are other trends that make abortions more accessible in some ways. For many people facing an unplanned pregnancy, abortion pills can make the whole experience easier and certainly more private. Medication abortions now make up half of abortions in the U.S. A doctor let me listen in on a video visit so I could hear what it's like to be prescribed abortion pills. Dr. Michelle Gomez's patient is late for her telehealth video appointment. This does happen sometimes. Um, People who are requesting medication abortions are often doing so because they have chaotic lives. But when she finally hops on the video call, the source of that chaos becomes clear. Nice to meet you. Jessica Marie is juggling two under age two. Her almost two-year-old was just diagnosed with autism and she has three older kids.
4: I'm about to be 30 and I have a few kids. So, you know, had this been available to me before, you know, not saying I love, love my baby, right. but convenience would have been, oh, man, it would have been just more convenient, you know.
1: She's typical of Americans seeking abortions right now. She's about halfway through her first trimester, already a mom in her late 20s. And she says money is tight at home. So a telemedicine appointment works for her. Gomez is a family medicine doctor who provides abortions through a Burlingame primary care clinic that takes Medi-Cal. And you don't need to sign for it.
3: Oh, there's a cutie. Who's this? This is Evelina.
1: Evelina, she's beautiful. Oh my
3: gosh. Hi, Evelina.
1: After a long list of medical questions and detailed instructions, she prescribes abortion pills from a mail-order pharmacy that'll show up in a couple days. Gomez says research has shown that telehealth medicated abortion is safe and effective.
5: And it wasn't
3: until the pandemic when we really started using it because we needed to keep people out of doctor's offices. People
1: have wanted to get abortion integrated into primary care for many years because there's so many advantages to that, both cost effectiveness and then the siloing of abortion into abortion clinics. And so now that we're in this tough spot, there are more primary care providers coming out and saying, yes, I want to do this. Telehealth also opens up options for people who live in states where abortion is banned. State Senator Nancy Skinner wrote a bill that would provide legal protections for health care providers who dispense medication related to abortion or gender affirming care via telemedicine. What SB 345
6: does is recognize that providers, whether you're a pharmacist, a midwife, a physician, you may have patients that are located elsewhere. And we do not want the aggressive action by other states that has made abortion illegal be able to have repercussions on our health care providers.
1: The bill is supported by several medical boards and is now before the state assembly. Gomez says if it passes, it'll be a relief and a game changer. It says that we are really committed to being a reproductive freedom state, that we want to do as much as we can, not just on the defensive about protecting abortion rights, but on the offensive. Back to her patient. Jessica Marie used to live in Texas before moving back to San Jose recently.
4: You
3: know, the cost of living over there is it's all right.
4: But that doesn't mean you can just, you know, you, you should be obligated to just, you know, I feel like the people who make these rulings, unfortunately, they're men. So men don't understand the mental, the physical, and the emotional that's wrong with everything, you know?
1: She described having access to abortion pills via telehealth as a blessing and an opportunity for her and her family which she couldn't get in Texas, where abortion after six weeks is banned. In reporting this series, I heard two kinds of stories about the Dobbs decision. The medical professionals and activists were not surprised. They were paying attention and saw it coming. The rest of us were sort of caught off guard. Some took Roe for granted, Let's hear more from State Senator Nancy Skinner, who has a unique take on this new stage in abortion politics.
6: I am hopeful that the assault on women in particular, women's rights, and our ability to make the decisions we need to for our health and for our personal lives, decisions that should be made between us and our health practitioner. that I hope that the way that national politicians, and many of these states have aggressively basically said to them, we don't care. We don't respect your choice. No, we don't respect your decision. You don't get to make the decision. Even if your life is at risk, even if the fetus that you're carrying is going to die, you know, either before birth or while you're carrying it, we don't care. And that's like, I think, it's so outrageous for so many of us regardless of our own personal opinion about whether we would get an abortion or not that that somebody else would force that decision on us and and that the that a, the government would intervene and force that i'm hopeful that the response will be to you know to uh, give us a democratic Senate for sure, continue it and turn over the House, and definitely a president reelecting Mr. Biden. Now, uh, you know, we shall see. I'm always optimistic that way. It's very personal. Usually a voter is acting on personal things. And certainly there's always, you know, Clinton said it's the economy stupid. So certainly the economy is a factor. But I think for many of us, that personal thing of our health care choices. Uh, is very real. And so I'm very hopeful that that will motivate many, many voters, as we have seen it happening already in various legislatures. You know, we saw Michigan turn around, we saw a variety. So we'll see. Um, But back to SB 345, the other very um, cool thing is the incredible support that that bill has. We've got all of the medical licensing boards The Medical Board of California, the Board of Registered Nursing, the Physician Assistant Board, all of them have passed resolutions supporting SB 345 and communicating the real need for it. And then, of course, we have um, our incredible coalition supporting it, Black Women for Wellness, NARAL Pro-Choice, Access Reproductive Justice, Equality California, and so many more. It's fantastic.
1: Looking back, when you got into politics, did you sort of think that Roe would stand? Give me a sense of you the evolution of your thinking. I know folks who have paid attention to the abortion fight were not surprised by Dobbs, but a lot of people were. I'm curious how your thinking evolved over the past few years or decades, whatever.
6: So I was in college when Roe was decided. I grew up in an Irish Catholic family and uh you know the the kind of things we heard at church and the way my parents view was a very anti-abortion um so that the decision would be controversial was not surprising but it also you know the way i was taught history is you know the, this is the way courts do this is the whole purpose of america's democracy is separating personal beliefs from individual rights, whether it was things about, um, you know, uh, civil rights or voting rights or any number of things and separating uh, church and state. So it wasn't um, surprising to me that it would be controversial I just I just thought it didn't occur to me that it would then be overturned just in the same way it didn't ever occur to me that either voting rights or civil rights would ever be overturned. Yes, certainly. They took a long time in coming, but they very much reflected the trajectory of American politics and American history at least how I was raised. Um it wasn't until the 90s where I really understood how deep the assault was. On abortion rights and how how intent certain groups were to basically re- reverse those rights, reverse those decisions, and the attacks on clinics, um, even in where I lived in the East Bay area, the you know the uh, literally the we had to do clinic watch in the '90s and early 2000s, um, and of course the terrorists uh, activity the um, murdering of abortion of doctors who gave abortion and such so but it was a good that was like 20 years where i kind of i think i naively thought we would have this forever but once those kind of attacks i knew that it was always at risk which is why whenever i talk to people about a presidential candidate i always put that no matter what else was on their mind they should be thinking about supreme court appointments What kind of people was that presidential candidate going to put on the Supreme Court? Because decisions by the Supreme Court would affect us for the rest of our lives. And they were lifelong appointments. So that was always my perspective in choosing a presidential candidate and in talking to other people about presidential candidates going on now three decades. Um, You know, but unfortunately, we had a (laughs) president that um, clearly wanted to deliver to a small very organized right wing faction justices that have no regard for women and no regard for science or medicine
1: california is in a very unique position you know with a more majorities that can make a big difference but we're sort of far from the action geographically what uh, how does that influence what positions you take
6: first and foremost as a legislator i have i try to do right by californians and my constituents that's my obviously my overriding but additionally it california b- both has the deserved reputation as a leader that can show others how things can be done i mean so much of our leadership has changed things nationally and globally that i think it is legitimate for us to be a that light at the end of the tunnel for so many people that was state senator nancy
1: skinner Thanks to everyone who spoke about their work and shared their experiences with me and the KCBS News audience. Thank you for listening. For KCBS News and In-Depth, I'm Raquel Maria Dillon. Please tune in again next week.